0: guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's it week going?
1: Breaking news, um, the late Nikolai Volkov is set to co-star alongside Don't Fuck in the Woods' Nadia White in Daisy Durkin's and the Dinosaur Apocalypse to be released in early 2020, Ryan.
0: Holy shit. I haven't seen Don't Fuck in the Woods, but I think it has my favorite title of any horror uh, property. You know,
1: it's exactly what it says on the tin.
0: I mean, aside from just an admonition not to get murdered in the woods while out on, like, a a sexual escapade, I feel like Don't Fuck in the Woods is just solid advice generally, like, even outside of a horror context. Like, but, guys, come on. Like, go, go. You're gonna get bugs. You're gonna get briars. Like, go, go somewhere else
1: don't fuck in the woods y'all
0: don't 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 fuck in the woods
1: i think what also is fascinating about this movie is nikolai volkov is a character not a man
0: wait you're saying you're 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 nikolai volkov the 80s uh pro wrestler who was managed by bobby the brain heenan
1: yes is in this movie I, i believe it is his final role
0: Holy shit. Which, by the way, Nikolai Volkov, I love that part of his heel gimmick was that he would sing the Soviet Union's National Anthem. Voice of an angel, Nikolai Volkov. Like, have you, have you ever heard him belt out the Soviet National Anthem? No. Uh, sadly, I have not. <laughs> Let me tell you, those, those early WrestleManias, they're a fucking slog to get through, but when I was making my way through all the early ones, uh, anytime Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Cheek popped up, I giggled and clapped like a child. I was so excited. I mean, how could you
1: not? Right.
0: I mean, it's, yeah. Um, So, holy shit. So, he is, I didn't realize that Nikolai Volkov was dead.
1: Yeah, he just died, um, like, this year. Shit, that's... I mean, wrestlers die, we're hitting the point in time where the amount of people from our childhoods that are going to die is, like, one every day almost
0: yeah i i i honestly took the day off of work when dusty Rhodes died like that was just like i because that happened in the middle of like i found out about it in the middle of the day and was just like you know i'm 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 going home early i don't want to deal with any of this um which i mean and this is also the week that we're recording this podcast uh john oliver just did that big uh thing about wwe and how wrestlers just die really young
1: oh yeah for sure
0: yeah and it's yeah. There's there's a lot of there, there's a lot of dying
1: happening. W. Todd Kaneko definitely wrote an entire book of poems about the fact that wrestlers die too young.
0: Oh, the dead wrestler allergies.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's fantastic. I I love. Uh, see. Honestly, I like that at this point, And also, welcome to our horror podcast. Um, I love that pro wrestling. Is slowly be, I mean, I mean, at this point I feel like it's not the embarrassing thing to be into that it might have been like 10 years ago if you're really into pro wrestling. Yeah, like,
1: yeah. I mean, the reason why I really got into pro wrestling is because I um, listened to a NPR radio show
0: about it. Oh, was it the Radio Live episode about Bret Hart?
1: Yeah, yeah. And also, yep. um, the first time I watched that Bret Hart match where Santa crowns him with the championship, I <laughs> cried like a baby. And I was like, maybe this thing is for me.
0: <laughs> Honestly, the, uh, it's a thing that I appreciated so much about the John Oliver thing was that, A, you can tell that John Oliver really likes pro wrestling. And B, it's like, if this had been some guy going like, yeah, pro wrestling is stupid and you're all stupid for liking it, and also it's a hyper-capitalist hell dimension and workers are exploited and they die young. Like, if it had been, like, you know, if it had been, like, a Flannery O'Connor... Story and he would have been some like Some fancy shoot outsider Coming in that we're, that we're all gonna kill Like this is somebody who obviously loves Pro wrestling and I, I feel like y- you, you get a lot Of moments of him being like and unrelatedly here's A clip of Shawn Michaels kicking a guy in the face And then stripping <laughs> in, 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 in laughter. Like it's just wrestling Wrestling is the fucking greatest uh, so what Ghoul shit have you been up to in the Last week
1: so uh, speaking of Poetry I've been reading A book called the De- the death metal pastorals hmm it is a chat book uh, and it is exactly what it sounds like it is uh, by Ryan Patrick Smith and it just came out from Black Lawrence press mm-hmm. and it is a book of pastoral poems but a, but with the tone of death metal. <laughs> So it's so wait, all is this... about the decaying, rotting middle American landscape and like oh, they're shit. all p- pastoral poems about dumps or rusting metal and fallow fields and just disappointment.
0: This sounds extremely like a John Darnielle joint.
1: It's it's definitely um recommended if you like. Do you remember how in The uh, mid-2000s notorious uh, CD label, Victory Records, would just stick a sticker on whatever CD they came out with that says, recommended if you like, and just three random
0: bands. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Victory Records. Like, I I mostly, their their logo had a dog on it, and there was a kid that I knew that would wear nothing but Victory Records t-shirts. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, like, this, the Death Metal Pastoral's is recommended if you like... Um, William Wordsworth, John <laughs> Darnielle, and uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles.
0: <laughs> and also it's death metal, which also, I gotta... I gotta Alright, so this, this might be a polarizing uh, take to have. Uh, death metal is better than black metal, and I'll tell you why. I never listen to a death metal band and instantly go, Oh, I hope they're not Nazis.
1: That is true. Although... Um, Black metal is more of my aesthetic. I do agree Mm -hmm. that it's far less likely to find someone problematic in the death metal community.
0: Yeah, and all their songs are about, like, having sex with a chainsaw or, like, I'm best friends with a skeleton or whatever the fuck. And it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like death metal also just is better because it does it's not trying to impress me like black metal is like i've been to i've been to black metal shows and they are mostly full of these guys who are like desperate to be the grimmest looking dude in the room like they just it's it's crucial like you get you like you get all these dudes in the front of the stage and they're all in corpse makeup and none of them are smiling and like you could tell that they're consciously trying not to bob their head to the beat like if they look like they're starting to sway to the beat they immediately do that thing that cats do when they fuck up jumping onto the couch where they just like look in the opposite direction and pretend it didn't happen um so yeah I, I, I like black metal, but it, death, death, death metal is better. Um, I, in the last week, uh, so I found a podcast called Southern Fried True Crime. Yeah. Uh, have you heard it? I
1: haven't. Oh,
0: man. It is it is wonderful. So Southern Fried True Crime uh, is a true crime podcast that is, uh, it's, it's a, about cases in the American South, and it's uh, narrated by this lady who is from Tennessee and has a very, very thick Tennessee accent. And A, it makes me homesick for Tennessee, and then B, um, it's great because it's, it strikes exactly the right tone of, it's like a horror podcast run by a Waffle House waitress, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, she knows everybody's business, and she is just tired, and has had enough of this murder bullshit, and she's giving everybody the business, and I, it's making me realize, like, now it's okay, so we th- there's a certain uh true crime podcast of great renown that you and I have uh, previously um surreptitiously expressed our, our dislike of
1: yeah yeah um, i uh, it's it's one where uh so so I feel like it's really important when you're a prominent podcaster mm-hmm. to um not make fun of other podcasters mm-hmm. And, and, and it's kind of like don't shit where like it is yeah, don't absurd to assume that people only listen to one podcast
0: yeah agree and well I, and it was funny because um one of the fellows from the the podcast that we don't care for uh, he was on a podcast that i love uh, and listen to a lot which is reading glasses with mallory o'mara and it's honestly uh and, and Brea grant and and it's I feel like if it's just one of those dudes by themselves on a podcast or kind of away from that podcast, they're fine. But as a conglomerate, they become like a catamari Damacy of or like shock rock DJs. Oh my god. So
1: bad. Yeah, um, and, um and I guess what I'm just sick of with the whole true crime podcast scene is like it's not edgy anymore it's like one of the most normy things you can be into yeah so i don't need my um true crime true crime podcasters to like say isn't this fucked up it's like no dude just tell me the the gritty deets that's what i'm here for
0: you don't got to you don't got to put salt and pepper on Jeffrey Dahmer, you know what I mean? Like I don't you don't need to like there, there's another uh, podcast which actually I'm totally okay with um say, saying the name of the podcast. So Sword and Scale is very bad. And um Sword and the- Scale is
1: very very bad. Fun fact, I thought we started this conversation talking about Sword and Scale <laughs> <laughs> because I forgot What's we it? hate so many bo- <laughs> I forgot that we're so awful and hate so many podcasts like, and just talk about hell. How- but also
0: we love listen listen we love so many podcasts i feel like right. uh, but no but but so sword and scale like that that dude um i think one of my beefs with uh that podcast aside from everything is that he sounds like that dude sounds like he's doing his best rorschach impersonation yeah it's well,
1: very over the top and also yeah. he has been mean to other podcasters and you can't do mm-hmm.
0: that no it's,
1: it's not acceptable. Now, I yeah. realize that uh, I sound very hypocritical. In <laughs> because saying, we're being mean like, to a
0: podcast.
1: Yeah, but, like, we're not on the same tier.
0: No, no. And also, here's the it's thing. That guy's got, up like, for
1: us, okay? Yeah.
0: Listen, that guy's got, like, ten over 10,000 patrons on Patreon. He's going to be fine. Um, but, so, anyway, let's jump into our first movie of this week. Uh, having having duly slammed our favorite uh, shit-talking target, uh, the podcast Sword and Scale, uh, let's jump into the first movie, which is 1988's Grotesque. Ryan, what the fuck did we just watch? Holy Christ. Okay, so Grotesque from 1988. Uh, is it a stretch to say that this is from the like Roger Corman school of uh, schlock filmmaking?
1: I will tell you that Linda Blair is the star and executive producer. And in an interview, she said, I didn't like the title grotesque because it was too sensational. And uh, because I was the executive producer, I could have sued to change the title. But the film's gross was lower than the court costs would have been. So it was not a financially sound
0: decision to sue it would have been like getting into a fight over an empty soda can. Yeah. I think. Like come on, let's recoup our losses. I so Linda Blair who's in this movie, honestly, I appreciate that Linda Blair did one movie that was really really good when she was a kid. <laughs> yes. And then nothing else. And by nothing else, I don't mean she wasn't in anything else. She was in plenty of things. Um she I she made one thing that was good and then coasted on that for the rest of her life and god bless her for it. Is she the best worst scream queen? oh without question i think like she although is she a scream queen if she is the monster from the exorcist i mean i think so well i mean she's not i mean she's not the monster i mean obviously um the pazuzu is the monster but anyway um honestly linda blair i would i she i don't know if she's ever been on rupaul's drag race as a guest judge but i want to believe that she has Yes. Okay. So Linda Blair was a uh, guest judge in uh, season, what the twenty fourteen season of RuPaul's Drag Race, and it's just fucking great. Like she's, I, I love that she's just sort of down for whatever is Linda Blair.
1: I also love that she was cursed with a baby face, so that even in movies like this one, where she's where she's the heroine, but even in Savage Streets, where she's supposed to be a tough talking take-no-shit street punk, she just looks like sweet baby Linda Blair.
0: Yeah, it's honestly, Linda Blair, I feel like she also went through a period where she would, like, pose nude for stuff and just sort of get her tits out in movies, and it's like, with that baby face, it's sort of like, you're Linda Blair, dude. Like, it's like if Zelda Rubenstein showed up in a movie trying to be Sarah Connor with, like, being ripped as fuck and just saying fuck constantly. (laughs) Okay, so Linda Blair dies in this film. Um, Very
1: soon in the movie. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so all right. So let's 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 jump into it. So this movie um it's basically like Last House on the Left as written by Frank Miller. It's it's a movie about punkers.
1: Uh, quote punkers,
0: punkers unquote which yeah they're not called punks like the the other characters in the movie there's this uh, there's this gang of uh, gang of hoodlums this gang of bad seeds and they're like oh i hate punkers look at those punkers doing punker 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 and it's wonderful like i want to hear honestly i think culturally we should go back to referring to punks as punkers
1: and they're the most like 1988 1988- white suburban panic like <laughs> punks. You know, they're like, I just cut myself to feel alive and I Yeah, they're like murder you.
0: <laughs> they're like Death Wish punks, I think. They're like the kind of punks that Charles Bronson would kill en masse for like killing his daughter's babysitter or whatever. Um, and so it's uh, this group of of toughs, led by a guy who kind of looks like Kiefer Sutherland as David in Lost Boys,
1: except with the subtleness of a uh, claymore cutting a loaf of bread.
0: <laughs> yeah, this dude is—he's doing like jumping jacks off screen. And just, like, slapping himself in the face, waiting to just jump in front of the camera and be like, I'm fucking crazy. And now, he... this is 1988. How,
1: mm-hmm. how likely is cocaine involved in this filming oh, process? The,
0: the over-under on that. Like, it, it, cocaine was involved with this, but also because I think everybody in this movie was coke to the gills. Like, the uh, I feel like RoboCop cursed us with that one goon who had the grating giggle because after RoboCop, I feel like every group of ne'er-do-wells uh, with knives, there has to be one fucking dude in that crew who laughs like a hyena. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a guy in this movie who, after he says anything, like not even crazy shit, he'll just be like, yeah, so I thought I'd go down to White Castle maybe get a value meal. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> please, please cease this. And so... Um, there's uh, Linda Blair and other people as well, and they go over to uh, one of the the, the teens' house. Um, it's, and... it's
1: spring break, and they're spending the night at Dad's house, who is a movie monster director. Right. And Which he's I... just yucking it up and faking deaths left and right when they show oh. up. And they're just like,
0: Dad... He is hoo-hawing everywhere. Like, like I, I don't know what it is with horror movies. I feel like horror movie effects people never show up as characters in anything except horror movies.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Like, you've always, especially in Friday the 13th, that franchise, I feel like you always had some guy who's who, who was meant to be, like, the nod to the audience. Like, this is what you look like, and he'd be some fucking... Uh, Urchin who shows up and has like a fascination with uh, latex masks, and also cannot stop playing practical jokes where he's constantly trying to scare his friends. Um, which, by the way, first of all, th- the most killable character in any movie, I think, is the character who's into practical jokes.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's like a unacceptable uh, thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like like there should be a social sanction for popping up in a latex mask and trying to scare your buddies. Uh, and so this guy is like, oh, yeah, like, I, I I do a bit of the old monster makeup. And then so the uh, the punkers, which hereafter referred to as the punkers. I don't know if there's an actual name for this gang. Or they're, if they're just a
1: punkers.
0: They're punkers. Or maybe a cult. There's a bit where they're, like, doing this, like, Manson family thing where they're like, but we're the only people who are actually people, and we get to kill whoever we want. And it's like... They, it kind of can't decide if they're fun-loving hooligans or the Manson family. Anyway, so they break into this house and they, uh, what? Set about torturing?
1: Yeah, people? they just fuck shit up. They kill every. They kill literally everyone except for Linda Blair and her best friend. And <clears throat> then this is an hour into the movie, <laughs> while they're fucking with this family, they open a bed. It's a bedroom like... You know when you go to a um, house show and there's a a room that the couch is in front of and you're like, oh, that's where they're growing Mm. weed.
0: It's like, that
1: kind of room? Mm. And I assume the punkers, even in 88, are like, oh sweet,
0: the weed room. (laughs) And they open it up and a fucking monster is in the room. Which is the ultimate prank, actually, is hiding a monster in your weed cellar. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And this so fucking, it's this, revealed that they've just had a cellar son this whole time. <laughs> yeah, so monster makeup guy has had an honest-to-God, like, evil uh, mutant son living in the basement. Uh, a, pops a, out. a proper cellar dweller. <laughs> yeah, this guy, uh, he kind of looks like... Um, how would he, he looks like a ravioli with legs. <laughs> does, but does with a mutant... weird, like, crab claw goiter. <laughs> so, Crab Claw Ravioli uh, pops now, out and he kills it. He lays it waste to the is, goons. You know the TV show Face Off? Oh, of course. Wait, no, I'm sorry. I know the movie Face Off. The TV
1: show Face Off is the horror effects Project Runway. Oh no I haven't seen that You gotta get on that shit it's amazing Yeah I do So sure. every I, watch, episode, I watch so much
0: Project Runway so I'm, I'm well down for makeup effects Project Runway Just
1: like in any of those design shows There's one person that everything goes wrong And they like put the bare minimum horseshit on stage And the judges are like <laughs> We're not gonna send you home Because we're just surprised that you made something that looks like a thing <laughs> That's this movie makeup Oh, man. it's it is the project runaway, the muslin that you just get to make your patterns and the <laughs> one strip of, of fabric that they, that made it back from mood because their bag yeah. got lost on the subway.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is just Tim Gunn leaning in and going like. Uh, what are you gonna say when the judges tell you that this looks like something scraped off the bottom of a theater seat? It's literally like making, that. Yeah, and making the Tim Gunn face where he like steeple[s] his fingers in front of his face, and he's like looking at this makeup. It looks like I would say boiled shoe leather hot glued onto a face. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. Bad. Yeah, very But bad. also um, and so, very good. You know what? Actually, I was surprised because so the the, the production quality in grotesque. As you might imagine, not fucking great. Not Uh, good at all. (laughs) No, no. It kind of, it has, um, I don't, how would you describe the film quality? It's almost like sub VHS. It is, I think it was probably, so
1: in our content obsessed era, Um, And this is on Amazon Prime if you want to go watch it. But because it's on Amazon Prime, it was literally, we got to get something with a very low overhead to put on this streaming service. Because any click will generate revenue. So Mm -hmm. And they did it. They won, by God. (laughs) But it looks like Super 8. The Master was a Super 8, or, like, a VHS that they just scanned as fast as possible. Like, there's no original film element for this streaming uh, version.
0: See, now that now that I think about it, when I think of all of the post-Exorcist movies that Linda Blair has been in, they're all, on, like, shot on such low-quality film that I feel like Linda Blair could have been being played by a linda blair impersonator this whole time we would have never known we would have no fucking clue like the only time i've seen linda blair's face clearly was in the fucking exorcist and but anyway so she um i think this is one of the first characters in a horror movie i've seen die during surgery after all the killing
1: yeah so so What's wild is you just assume it's Seller's son saying, you killed my papa, and he's killing everyone. But right. then the punkers run away, and the Seller's son son starts killing the popular kids, too, because he's just in a, a, a blood frenzy. Mm-hmm. And the cops show up and kill the son, and the punkers, being uh, slick tricksters, go thank god you came we're totally innocent and we didn't kill that family it was this weird cellar beast
0: right which you know all right that's a pretty good excuse and then um it somehow turns into a cop drama does grotesque yeah because they're trying
1: to get enough evidence to convict somebody and they're trying to like push a, a confession
0: right and so you get um the the two main punks which is um the one lady who looks like kelly kapowski yeah from uh saved by the bell and also the guy that looks like Kiefer sutherland and the lost boys and you know they're getting worked over by these two cops who are doing the good cop bad cop routine and uh, all right so a thing that i love about the movie grotesque and a thing that i love about all schlock movies like this everybody involved in the making of this is going ham fucking sandwich in these scenes like they are fucking going for it. You've got the the I, I would say punker number one, like the the head punker guy who um so obviously he's he's responsible for a bunch of killing and everything, and they're trying to get a confession out of him. And you get the lead cop guy just like getting in this guy's space and shoving him, and they're both yelling and you can like they're both bringing so much fucking fighting spirit to the scene. and it's like, what are we doing? This is the movie Grotesque with Linda Blair. and they're like, I'm going to get on that fucking highlight reel, all right? You guys are going to chill. I'm going to go for it. Um, and then the cops trade off, and they're trying to figure out, like, what happened. And then so uh, they they can't get them on anything um, because they don't have any proof, so they got to let the punkers go. And then the guy who is not
1: introduced except for, like, the dude that discovers that the house was broken into and calls mm-hmm. the cops... He's, like, I guess a family friend, like, starts (laughs) being driven mad with, like, injustice. And he kidnaps the punkers at gunpoint and Mm -hmm. drives them back to the house and then chains them up. And then you get the wildest reveal of the movie.
0: Yeah, Buddy Boy pulls his latex mask off and he's like, surprise, motherfucker, I'm also a mutant. And he is. What, is he, he's related to seller. He is dwelling? the
1: father of the seller son. He's seller dad. Okay. And okay. he got his brother to raise him because he was mentally disabled. And. Uh, which, the, th-
0: thanks, guys. Thanks for peppering that shit in there.
1: Yeah, because that's why he murdered everyone, is because Definitely. of mental disability. Which, yeah. yeah, real classy, 1988. Nice, guys. But the. this seller dad says so my brother was a special effects artist so he made me a latex human mask so I could live amongst you all but now that I've seen the darkness of humanity, you are the truly <laughs> ugly one, and I am the beautiful
0: one. So his brother is like the horror effect version of Harvey Firestein and Mrs. Doubtfire, where he's like, he kept making me all these fucking amazing latex masks so I could go out and live in the world as a person, but actually my face looks like my neck threw up. <laughs> and he it's incredible. And so he uh, tortures the shit out of Punkers 1 and 2. And, he, and then
1: he... Surgeries them to look like monsters.
0: Yeah, he goops he goops their face up real good, and you get a shot of uh, the punker the the punker twins, the punker couple, uh, looking through a looking glass and being like, "Oh man, my face looks bad now," and they're just like screaming silently on the other side of uh, a thing. And then, and then, oh, and, and fucking then, so the uh, this cell,
1: the the cell does like the melting thing, and with the quality of this movie, you're like, oh wow, it really was a bad master, like the scanner <laughs> melted the film.
0: Yeah, you're like, all right, this is, and then it uh, cuts to, all right, I'm, I'm going to believe. Gremlins too, it cuts to the theater. Yeah, and as you might think, you're like, okay, so at this movie, at this point, our uh, exploitation schlock film. Decides that actually it's a meta commentary we cut to and I need you to believe me that I'm not just bullshitting you on this This is a thing that happens. It cuts to the projectionists who are motherfucking Frankenstein and the the (laughs) wolfman It Holy shit, and it's the uh, honest-to-god Wolfman, and they're both sort of sitting there talking about what they've just what what they've just seen Uh, There's an uh, there's been an audience watching this um Uh, i'm sorry you've missed
1: a a crucial detail it's the premiere of the film we just watched
0: yeah it's a actual linda
1: blair and actual everyone else is in the theater
0: (laughs) so you get all these characters being like yep this is a movie and wolfman is mad and he like smashes the projector because he's like this is bad representation of monsters And this is not like he's he goes on the scene where's like that's not even what we look like and what's what's also incredible this movie grades itself basically yeah they're
1: arguing and and Frankenstein (laughs) is like it was an 8 out of 10 I mean it wasn't perfect (laughs) but it wasn't terrible and Wolfman's like are you fucking
0: kidding me it's horrible Honestly, any horror movie that doesn't have actual fucking Frankenstein go—I don't know—I'd give it an eight out of ten. Like it's so. And then at this point, they go, "Well, we should show the people what real monsters look like." And they burst into the screening room and go, "Blah," and everyone, including actual ass Linda Blair, they scream and run away. And then Frankenstein and Wolfman look like they're about to kiss. <laughs> yeah, and then the movie well, ends. I mean. Who wouldn't want to kiss Wolfman? I mean, I think I think we all want to kiss the Wolfman. Um and th- if, the... if horror movies have taught me
1: anything, it's
0: that we all want to
1: kiss <laughs> the Wolfman.
0: We all, we all want listen. to fuck the Gillman. <laughs> of course we all want to fuck the Gillman. And also I, I want to point out, um, character actor royalty Robert Zadar is in this movie. As uh, who? As a, as a goon. Uh Wikipedia says that he plays someone named Eric. I would recognize that angelic maniac cop face uh, anywhere, and he is in this movie as a goon. Um, oh. I'm one. I'm, I'm assuming now. It's a thing that I appreciate about Robert Z'Dar that he is the the fucking working man's character actor. He will be in fucking anything. He will be in Tango and Cash. He will be in Maniac Cop. He will be in The Final Sacrifice, and also he will be in Grotesque. So. Where do you want to put this
1: on the list? And by Ooh. the way, that is by no means a spoiler because the ending is so weird. You have to see it to parse this film out.
0: Now, and so my my question about this ending, which is the greatest ending of all time of any movie, um, how do you think that ending... Moving to... on. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, the ending of, of the grotesque. Um, I er, Excuse me, just grotesque. I wonder if how that conversation went, if it was just like, so anyway, this guy tortures the shit out of these punkers and that's how we leave it. And if they like filmed that and then they were like, hey, we've got this Wolfman costume lying around and also a Frankenstein head. I think what What it was
1: was, oh shit, we're still not at feature length. Because the pacing in this movie is awful.
0: (laughs) It is It is wild so then that that becomes the question was it that they were like they had never seen a horror movie before and they were like all right let's think outside the box we're doing a new horror movie ending what do we know about horror we know some wolfmans and we know a frankenstein and so all we have to do is grade our movie on a curve from a frankenstein and then go meta this is what we know about horror and I feel like at that point i was like you know what this is the greatest movie ever made i fucking love grotesque <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, a, it it completely it's off.
1: small pleasures that oh yeah get us on board
0: <laughs> yeah and i feel like the thing that also gets me on board with this is that every actor in this was just going hell for breakfast trying to act their hearts out and i would so much rather watch a movie like grotesque than like a trauma movie that is trying to be too cool for its own bullshit the poster for
1: this movie is... It's unfair how good it is.
0: It's amazing. Uh, do you, do you want to describe the poster for Grotesque? So, it
1: is triangles. It is painted. It is Linda Blair, knife at throat, almost kissing, almost killing. The Breakfast Club-esque punkers in the foreground... In the other, in the left-hand corner, in the foreground, police with rifles, and in the middle, glowing f- with a <laughs> with the radiance of the sun, is the cellar sun, and it just says yeah. grotesque.
0: Grotesque. Now, and actually, this is I, I feel like punker is its own. It's not punk. There, it's it's a it's a, a classification of subculture. I think that there have been several punkers. Throughout pop culture uh, For example um, Bender in The Breakfast Club Totally a punker He's not a punk
1: He's a punker Yeah
0: He's a punker I, I would say The uh, the kid in the live action uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie uh, Who is a, he's running away from home all the time That kid is a punker uh, I, Although which also I, I just remembered Casey Jones in that movie Before he hits Raphael with a hockey stick Goes Oh you're a punker I hate punkers um, So yeah Yeah I think we should bring being a punker back. Not actually a punk, just, like, punk adjacent. Yeah, punk adjace. So punk So, I just realized
1: that this came out after Savage Streets. So, they were giving <laughs> sure. the market what they wanted, which is more Linda Blair and punkers.
0: Man, honestly, Linda Blair is... Uh, on, I... I, I uh, I wonder what what is she doing these days? Because I know she she wasn't anywhere near the uh, the Exorcist on Fox because Gina Davis played Reagan. Is she okay?
1: I I hope I can't. I hope Linda speak that. Okay. Can we <laughs> yeah. talk about Savage Streets for a little bit? Because it's not a horror movie, but it's like a perfect film.
0: I have never seen Savage Streets. Ryan.
1: It's about a girl gang of punkers headed by Linda Blair who fight with a boy gang of punkers headed by some other schmo, and they go to high school during the day and drive around with being switchblade perverts at night.
0: Oh my god, so it's it's just a movie about knife perverts featuring Linda Blair? Linnea Quigley is Linda
1: Blair's innocent (gasps) little sister.
0: Wait a minute, Linnea Quigley plays the, like, pure-hearted good, like, goody-two-shoes. And Linda, and Linda Blair, Blair the plays
1: the knife pervert.
0: <sighs> Quincy, I have never been more disappointed in myself than during this moment. Well, good news! I, it's I also on
1: Prime things. right now. <laughs> oh, and Linda Blair Holy has shit. a crossbow and shoots people with crossbow bolts.
0: What? Oh, my God. You, the, you and could it's have actually just said Linda Blair has a crossbow, and I, I would have been... I would have been down. Um, let, all right, so here's, here's my question. Which is better, House of Wax 2005, featuring Paris Hilton, or Grotesque? I would say
1: House of Wax.
0: Yeah.
1: As, as yeah, like I, a historical document, because Grotesque is not a fun watch, <laughs> it's a slog.
0: It is, it is a bit of a slog, and it's also... It's making me realize, like, so I'm not a big fan of exploitation movies. Um, I know the bar is too low, but I am very pleased that Grotesque does not feature a rape scene. Yeah. Um, because especially, you know, it's hitting those last house on the left beats, and I think I kept waiting for it. Um, also because of the very Death Wish sort of punker thing. Like, you just assume that that's what's coming. So I... God damn it, this is a thing I'm about to say, but I, I appreciate that it was only that it was only torture in grotesque. Um, but it is a bit of a slog to get through where it's just kind of like, I'm tired of watching people screaming and getting tortured. Please, like, either die or escape or do something.
1: And the the sound mixing is so bad that mm-hmm. the dialogue is really low and the screaming is really high in the mix. Mm-hmm. So, um, like it made my baby
0: cry. Oh no. Your baby cried t- due to grotesque. Yeah, nobody makes my baby cry. <laughs> How dare you?
1: you. Yeah.
0: Fuck you, Linda Blair. Yeah, that's so. No, I don't, what's I don't, a better
1: movie about a horribly deformed person that lives in a cellar, Castle Freak or Grotesque? Castle
0: Oh, definitely, definitely Castle Freak. Uh and, and I'm not just saying I'm I'm not just saying this because uh on shutter which shout out to shutter one of our sponsors. Uh, they, uh, just did a new, uh, Joe Bob's, uh, uh, drive, drive drive-in about Castle Freak. Wonderful. It's fucking outstanding. Uh, Castle Freak, I feel like for Stuart Gordon movies, it's the one that I feel like everybody wants to talk about right after Reanimator. Yeah. Um, like, it's it's perfect. So, I was trolling IMDb
1: like I do. There mm-hmm. are new Herbert West reanimator movies being made that have nothing to do with the Stuart Gordon, Brian Yuzna franchise.
0: Is this with Jeffrey Combs in the title role?
1: No, it is like, hey, you no, know that's who's that's really cool? H.P. Lovecraft. I bet no one has thought to make this movie before
0: fuck out of here now and this is also you know a this
1: hyper just... racist short story from the 1920s <laughs> which even for the 1920s was deemed to be socially unacceptable oh, let's make yeah. it a movie in 20 fucking 19
0: the horror at red hook Ugh. like oof. which also i honestly nobody should read that everybody should just read the ballad of black tom
1: yeah for sure uh,
0: Which, A, it's it's a fucking wonderful book anyway But then B, also uh, uh, Last night, or uh, excuse me, a couple of nights ago uh, Christina and I uh, learned how to play Elder Sign Have you played Elder Sign? Elder Sign rules I really like Elder Sign But the thing that I like about it uh, That made me realize that So, you know that thing of how H.P. Lovecraft fucking sucks And we've all done better things with Cosmic Horror after his death? Yeah, for sure um, a thing that I, I love that Elder Sign does, and that so many different pieces of cosmic horror set in the uh, early to mid twentieth century does, H.P. Lovecraft never did noir beats. I don't think really like he never you know you never really had uh, like private eyes kind of you know making the rounds in these things. But I feel like so much of cosmic horror post Lovecraft has had us going, wait a minute. So this takes place during the 1930s? Oh, there's going to be some guy going, Say, listen here, you off piece of shit. Like, you've just... I love that we've decided that fucking Jimmy Three Nostrils or whoever the fuck is doing battle with Nier Lothotep. So, um, more the, noir.
1: so the company that puts um, Elder Sign out has an entire franchise of that art design and that setting. And um, the characters like on the card art show up in other board games that are Cthulhu themed, and yeah. I for a while was playing some of them so much that I started like not just playing the board game but role playing the characters and like oh, developed yeah. some really strong relationships between my uh, mobster and his scrappy dog <laughs> that <laughs> hangs out with
0: them. <laughs> All right, listen here, you mug. You're not going to melt my mind and make me doubt all of my perceptions. That's exactly... Yeah. You, you need, like, a gun... You need, like, a gun mall and, like, a Newsy doing battle with fucking Hastur. Yeah, like, exactly. It's it's great. But, so, anyway, so, uh, ranking grotesque, right? So, uh, is it better or worse than Urban Legend? <sighs> I
1: don't know, man. I think... At 246. So, I'm looking, like underneath Castle Freak at like three hundred and ten three hundred and fifteen
0: <laughs> yeah that's fair alright so it's definitely worse than Chud 2 Bud Chud
1: <laughs> for um, sure oh, is it worse than Hell
0: World there we go so Hellraiser Hell World um, and Hellraiser Hell World of course being the one where Pinhead is on the internet and Lance Henriksen is there
1: you know um, not nearly oh, no, as hard know, that's to hell- watch as this movie
0: yeah I uh, I would say that Hell World is better than that. However, the real boss battle of our list at three twenty-two, Spooky Buddies, which is better or worse, Spooky Buddies or Grotesque? It's always Spooky Buddies. <laughs> that's the that's the problem though, is that we could be doing like the first Halloween movie, and if you're asking me like Spooky Buddies or Halloween, I'm like, well, you've just said the phrase Spooky Buddies, so I'm going with Spooky Buddies. That's the best movie on this list. Honestly, um,
1: this movie is. I'm looking at, like, the village, the alien factor, burned-at-the-stake level of just, like, not very interesting, but just marginally
0: interesting. I mean, nobody in Burned-at-the-stake gets Burned-at-the-stake.
1: Yeah, but the people in Grotesque are
0: grotesque. They're definitely grotesque. So, all right, so here we go. If we're going with uh, sort of psychotronic, uh, bombastic, like, bizarre movies... Let's go with Greg and Clark's Wacko. <laughs> this is better, but not mm-hmm. by much. <laughs> not by a whole lot. And weirdly, uh, very similar in tone. Yeah, I would say very similar in tone. You could eas- I could easily do a double feature with Grotesque and Wacko. Um, so I feel like better than that, but I can't even believe I'm going to say this. Michael Jackson's Ghosts from 1997, I think l- less of a slog, more watchable.
1: Ghosts then needs okay. to be put in, like, a time capsule and preser- preserved in, like, yeah. the Film Institute as, like, this really fascinating piece of history.
0: Yeah, that in Jeepers Creepers, where it's like, <sighs> how do monsters view themselves? Ugh. What's the imagination that monsters have of themselves? So, yeah, so I feel pretty good about that. So coming in at our new... Uh, number three forty eight uh, is grotesque.
1: Do you grotesque, realize we have letter. ghosts, grotesque, and Graydon Clark's wacko
0: all three next to each other on the list? We should we should keep that G theme going. Like everything <laughs> it's just that it's going to slowly envelop the rest of the list. Everything goes in G's. Do you remember
1: the MTV TV show Room Raiders? Oh, of course I remember Room
0: Raiders. So
1: I, I used to love Room Raiders. Me too. I've been haunted since the mid two thousands by an episode of room Raiders where one of the guys is a scary bro. He mm-hmm. collects, um, like Spencer's gift caliber rubber masks and why and DVDs. And the girl was oh. like, Oh, you're very scary. And like, he's sitting in the van with his, um, polyester flaming dice shirt in his junkos (laughs) and he's like you don't know what i know and it's like i've 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 lived my life since that moment in 2003 with the fear that that is
0: me oh man and everything i do
1: i'm just You know, thinking, am I being this goof off of Room Raiders?
0: No, you're not, and I'll tell you why. That guy 100% has a top hat from Spencer's and has a FetLife account with an embarrassing screen name. So I feel like as long as you've avoided those two things, you're probably okay. Um, you know what other MTV show we should do at some point is did you ever watch MTV's Fear in the early 2000s with Godsmack as the theme music yeah fucking that's all I that's all I remember from Fear because like I watched the shit out of it but mostly what you get is during all the transitions you get Voodoo by Godsmack (laughs) uh, and just (laughs) Voodoo and it's uh, it was a ghost hunting show where it was just people sort of like, all right, so now we're poking around in the morgue of this abandoned twentieth century mental hospital. You have to love
1: it's... ghost hunting where they just drop someone off and say, "Figure <laughs> it out."
0: Yeah, you know what? Good. If you're if you if you've decided to pull some silly shit like wandering around the bowels of a haunted abandoned hospital, I'll get you in the morning. You can camp out with some sterno. In the morgue and just hang out with your Vienna sausages until tomorrow. I'm not coming back. That place is full of ghosts.
1: Speaking of uh, forgotten MTV programming,
0: have you ever seen Wrestling Society X? Oh, I've, I've definitely seen Wrestling Society X. It is unwatchable, <laughs> but the 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 stank of 2000s MTV is all uh, over that show. It's 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 wonderful. You're, I'm honestly. The prospect of a time period during uh, during which any young people are like, man, I just I was born during the wrong era. I should have been around in the early two thousands. It's gonna make me burst a blood vessel in my eye. <laughs> what a what a cursed period of time. It was it was very bad. Um, speaking of cursed, uh, do we have an? En- I think we have enough time for our second movie.
1: Yes. So we got the uh, we got a screener from uh, Jason Zink at Weird on Top Pictures for his horror movie, Straight Edge Kegger, which, lol... So, Ryan, explain to our um, listeners what Straight Edge is.
0: So, for those of our listeners who uh, may not know, Straight Edge is a uh, subculture of punk rock that came around during the 1980s due, due, uh, in large part, to Ian MacKay from Minor Threat, uh, and the entire ethos of Straight Edge, which, honestly... I still really like a lot of parts of Straight Edge culture. Oh, Um, I I,
1: um, actually sometimes refer to myself as Straight Edge in serious conversations.
0: I mean, that's honestly, like, uh, so Straight Edge, the entire idea behind Straight Edge is, uh, you know, if you wanted to trace it back to the song Straight Edge by Minor Threat, uh, I don't smoke, I don't fuck, I don't drink, but at least I can fucking think. Uh, The idea is... Uh, I don't take any foreign substances into my body that can alter my brain or make me behave as anything other than what I am and I uh, am gonna and and so the the idea with straight edge is mostly just like maintaining the uh, uh, the integrity of your own body and your own brain
1: yeah and and as most subcultures uh, tend to it got very extreme and you get yeah. these hardline uh straight edge kids that like and this is you know I have anecdotal evidence of like kids that start beating people up at shows for smoking and blowing I smoke in your face and like
0: hilariously uh, at the uh at a leftover crack show I once almost got into a fight while I was smoking outside because there there were straight edge kids in Nashville during the mid 2000s that were really aggro about if they saw you smoking outside of a punk show um I think Nashville specifically wasn't. Wasn't there like a specific group that was particularly? There were some
1: rowdy kids in our twenties uh, in the Nashville scene. There were some kids that were there. There's I. I had several run-ins with one gang of bike punks in particular.
0: <laughs> Which honestly, <God laughs> from show to them. show, I, I...
1: is like, watch out for the bike punks. The street rats are coming.
0: <laughs> yeah, the street rats. Yeah, I honestly. Uh, god bless any group of punks that nancy reagan would have probably kind of approved of (laughs) where it's like hey hey motherfucker you smoking a cigarette i don't approve of that and they just like pop a sick wheelie and kick it out of your so what jason Um, zink has
1: done is he saw green room and is like what if instead of nazis we make them straight edge kids
0: (laughs) yeah and also because listen i I'm, I'm I'm there's there there's not an equivalence between uh skin like skinhead neo Nazis and straight edge kids except for well they really like shaving their heads. Yeah, yeah, and and wearing duck wearing Doc Martens and suspenders. The one thing
1: I would like my only major qualm with this film is that they try to have a conversation where the plot of the movie is this guy is in this straight edge gang with his friends and they're literally <laughs> terrorizing punk clubs and beating up like a kid in a Budweiser t-shirt and they're like if you wear that shirt again we'll kill you and like the first scene is a punk band playing a show and the head of the gang who's all big and scary says if you play the song um drunk as fuck I'm going to kill you and the guy's are like, "Fuck off, I'm a punk," and he starts like beating the living shit out of the dude for playing. So it's
0: like a fundamentalist romper stomper.
1: Yeah, basically. yeah.
0: So, and the idea, so this is basically what if Green Room but straight edge. Kids.
1: Yeah, and that's a little like reductive, and I'm sure that like this movie, you know, is it's got a much smaller budget and and is is probably the more punk film in terms of, like, excellent soundtrack and ethos mm-hmm. and and putting it together. Uh, and I will say that because the director of Green Room has been very vocal about... I was I set out to make the most punk movie possible, and anytime someone says mm-hmm. that, you're like, sit the fuck down.
0: Right. I think immediately of... Uh the why why am i uh darren aronofsky who um is a fucking clown uh darren aronofsky uh referred to mother exclamation point as like oh yeah this is movie this is just me being really punk rock and i've realized like you ever do that thing where you're a ridiculous a ridiculous petulant little shit where you're doing you know you're like a, a 30 something married man and somebody says that something is really punk and in the back of your mind you're like <laughs> I, Every I totally, day of my I, life. I still get that. Oh, why are we like this? Like I've got this little, uh, actually punk rock is a punk rock is a DIY ethos, and if you're contributing to capitalism, that's the least punk rock thing in the world. I don't know why I'm droopy dog, but basically I'm droopy dog. Where, um, the, you know, and and at this point, punk rock is it's not dead. It just smells funny now. I think like there there are punk rock bands out there still doing it, and it's wonderful. And I, I listen to a lot of punk rock. But uh, if punk rock was gonna help anything, it would have done it by now. I don't know. Like I I still I still really love punk rock ethos, but Yeah, I feel like at this point me looking at a thing and going, That's not punk. Like, is anything punk anymore? I mean,
1: it doesn't matter. But yeah, like the movies about this Guy saying, I don't feel right beating people up for the t shirts they're wearing anymore. That's kind of hypocritical. So he starts hanging out with this loudmouth, hardcore kid that's like, just drink some beer and chill out. And, you know, uh, the, the, my, it's a very relatable, um, trajectory of I've never had alcohol before to I'm drinking all of the alcohol so the majority of the movie takes place at a house show which also strikes a very familiar chord with me
0: yeah, did you did you authorize this use of your likeness?
1: It does feel like, like in some ways I'm very was very called out by this movie, which makes it wonderful because it's yeah. all just people that I grew up with, and a there's oh, a character it's... who in the cast is listed as Emily Forty
0: Hands because she's playing Edward Forty Hands <laughs> the whole movie. Very good. Now, and this is the thing that I've realized: like nobody goes harder than X Straight Edge Kids. When when it comes to getting drunk, like it, it's sort of like that thing of like uh, when a, a straight edge kid has broken edge and they're finally partaking. Like I, th- those were always the kids that I was kind of like, please, please be careful. Like don't this is. I know that you're making up for lost time, but you don't have to drink all of that.
1: Yeah, like for God's so sake. So there. So our our hero is at this house show, and his friends get so angry they pull a straw dogs and they capture everyone and just start murdering them so it's like a survival house invasion thing one of my favorite lines is there's a there's a band playing the house show and they stop playing and say what is happening what was that noise and someone in the crowd says we're under attack And the guy says, we're under attack. And then he's shot in the head with a crossbow.
0: Please tell me that at least one of the straight edge kids uh, before killing somebody says true till death. And then unfortunately
1: not. But they are wearing uh, like drug free youth T-shirts while they're murdering people.
0: Do you get a shot of somebody getting stabbed by a hand that has the big black X on it? No, unfortunately not. Oh. So,
1: like, the the hmm. beats that you would expect are not there, but it is still very good. So it's very much in that That's your right. next green room kind of invasion vein.
0: Yeah, yeah, like claustrophobic sort of... Um, there's an outside force killing people, and everybody's sort of huddled yeah, together. Yeah, and
1: then, you know, of course, uh, the like the arc of any of these movies, the... The spunky scenesters have to fight back and like succeed and i think what i i, I really funny. love movies where you take the most effete group of people and point out how terrible and and helpless they are and i feel mm-hmm. like no one is
0: more effete and helpless than scene kids oh no they yeah first against the wall like they're they're if if yeah it, they're fucked and and it's honestly, I think it's one of my favorite parts of the um, the Hills Have Eyes remake, is the sort of like the the main like the the guy that uh, is the uh, the husband who's sort of this like, nebbish, uh, spotty kind of fella who who you know isn't really he's not interested really in being a big man or, or you know exerting any control over everybody. And he gets his balls busted for it by um, the the patriarch of this family. And then the patriarch gets fucking torched in the middle of the desert. And it's like, all right, so being a cool guy, not actually going to help.
1: Yeah, that's why I love that movie, too. And and I, I like that it's very, I mean, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's named after a seven-inch record um, it's got an excellent soundtrack. The whole... There are characters that are cracking jokes the entire movie while people are being, like, stabbed to death, and they're just like, oh, shit, there is a secret weed room in this
0: movie. What It's a good night for secret weed <laughs> yeah, rooms. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, it's very good. I, If I'm looking at our list, I would say it is very comparable to other independent new horror films like uh, pool party massacre
0: i was gonna say pool party massacre as a as a starting place which uh, uh, by uh obviously that movie uh, is at uh, two eleven. um is this better or worse than pool party massacre yeah, so pool party massacre
1: is very much lol this is a very bad movie and mm-hmm. um straight edge kegger is we're going to put our heart and soul and make this it's got a, a punk ethos to it
0: yeah um i think the only other movie or i mean we've got a few movies on this list that i think have a punk ethos and unfortunately one of them is grime wave Cockface. this three. is more so this is way better than grime wave
1: because grime wave
0: is we're
1: punks and we're gonna just make a movie with our friends This is, we're Mm -hmm. punks and we're going to make a movie with our friends, but we're actually going to make a good movie that's not...
0: Yeah, we're actually going to... That's
1: not a porno that we couldn't get distribution for.
0: Yeah, so with uh, uh, False Punk, let's go with Return of the Living Dead 3. Is this better than Return of the Living
1: Dead It doesn't enrage me in the way that Return of the Living Dead 3 (laughs) makes me an angry, bitter person.
0: Yeah, well, because Return of the Living Dead 3 is is just a terrible movie. Yeah, yeah. It's the, I'm going to stick shit in my
1: body because I'm hungry for brains, just, ah, oh, it makes me so fucking it's, mad, Ryan.
0: I, I think what makes me mad about Return of the Living Dead 3 is that, like, okay, so you had a lady monster in in the, the, the main role of the movie. You could have actually made her grotesque. Like, why does she still have to be fuckable if she is a zombie who is sticking stuff on her body because it alleviates hunger pain?
1: Think about the man-hours it took. And I say man-hours because it's very clear no women were on the effects crew. But think about the man-hours it took to make her an entire silicone nude bodysuit that they then could pierce with detritus from a sewer.
0: I just get annoyed anytime somebody can make a lady monster and decides to do, like, a Halloween store sexy Freddy Krueger thing with, like, Basically, just a torn sweater and a bikini. Especially because the first movie
1: in the Return of the Living Dead franchise has yeah. a very grotesque lady zombie. Hell yeah. Uh, With Linnae
0: Quigley just getting to like, yeah, like the and mermaid. then this
1: is just yeah. like, nah, we're, we're gonna not do that.
0: Yeah. I would say that
1: Strandage Kicker is not as good as Curtains because that movie is um, a, a lost gem. Curtains um, is wonderful. But I'd say Straight Edge Kegger being better than Nightbreed is not too shabby.
0: <laughs> Agree. I, I still I still really like Nightbreed.
1: Yeah, so, um, so put yeah. that on your uh, DVD release, Better Than Nightbreed.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. So yeah, so coming in at our new uh, number 203, uh, above Return of the Living Dead 3, fuck that movie, and below curtains is Straight Edge Kegger. Uh Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet?
1: We are always tweeting spicy at RankinVileCast on Twitter, and we are tumbling at rankinvile.tumblr.com, and we are posting pictures on Instagram at RankinVile.
0: Yeah, and if uh, you, so, we weren't able to get to any listener requests today because we were uh, doing a, a screener. Uh, if you have a horror movie, let's say that you're sitting there at home right now wondering, when the fuck are they going to do Pumpkinhead 2 Bloodwings? Parentheses, please don't request that we do Pumpkinhead 2 Bloodwings. Hey, did you know there's uh, a
1: Pumpkin 2 Bloodwings PC game? Wait, no shit? Yeah, it's okay, all so on archive.org. Re-
0: <laughs> so somebody requests Pumpkinhead 2 Bloodwings, the PC game. Uh, you're going to want to send that to uh, either rankandvilecast at gmail.com, or you're going to want to put that in our ask box on Tumblr at justrankandvile. Guys, we are on Stitcher, we are on Spotify, we are on iTunes, um, uh, we are on Letterboxd at Rank and Vile. I'm I'm forgetting something here.
1: So, Um, let me me appeal to to y'all for just a second. Hey, hey, we've had a lot of fun tonight, but if I could just have a moment of your time to say that normally when I listen to podcasts and they're like, please, five-star review on iTunes, blah, 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 I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But a lot of podcast apps even just have, like, that little thumbs up. Or, yeah, and or, if, if... Yeah, so anything you can do, if you could tell a friend, that if you could recommend this show to others, it would really help us out. Hell yeah.
0: Um, but barring that, I think that is about all I got. Anything else? That's
1: it. Stay spooky. Later, folks.